friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm Pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful, but today incredibly cold, city of Adelaide. I'm also presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, this week, folks, uh, we have got an exciting uh, theme. We've uh, uh, really had some some wonderful feedback on this. The theme for the week is a holy masquerade. Are the faithful hypocrites? Uh, you know, when I when I think of that particular question, uh, it is such a uh, it's so relevant for the day and the age in which we're living today. Uh, how easy is it to say that the faithful are in fact hypocrites? Is it just a holy masquerade? Today, we're going to be chatting on the question: How do I respond? to that big issue of hypocrisy, if in fact I find hypocrisy in the church. Now, to guide us through our discussion, uh, we're joined by our regular Wednesday co-host, and that's Pastor David Butcher. And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Good evening or good afternoon, Gary, and a big hello to all of our listeners. It's really good to be uh, on Drive Time, be on Faith FM, and I just want to thank God for the blessing that this uh, radio station, Faith FM, is to listeners right across this country and yeah. beyond. Yeah, yeah. No, look, it's wonderful to be here in the studio. Tell me, David, are you feeling a little bit warm? Because I'm conscious that you're sitting in here without a jacket or anything on. Have I got the heater beefed up too hot? No, no, no. Um, we're sitting in this um, uh, studio without a window with all the soundproofing on it and a whole lot of uh, technical things in here and and contraptions, but uh, we do have a little split system. And look, it's been great to walk into this building. It's nice and warm, but I don't want to be coughing on air. So Yeah, 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 yeah. No, well, it's, it is fantastic to really do appreciate the feedback that you're able to give. Uh, your leadership is very greatly, uh, very greatly appreciated. Now, look, let's come to our uh, to our world watch segment. I've got a real uh, little little beauty when I read this uh, this article I sort of thought, hey, I mean this is this is really saying saying something and I'd uh, I'd love David you to actually give some feedback on this one. Uh, the article is actually entitled A Sense of Betrayal. Liberal dismay as a Muslim led US city bans Pride flags. Now, when I read that title, I thought, "Oh, this is this what, is a this is, is going to be about? this is all about this is worth reading." This one, so I, I read it, and uh, uh, let me just give you a synopsis of it. This is this is what it says: In 2015, many liberal residents in Hammertruck in Michigan uh, celebrated as their city attracted international attention for becoming the first in the United States to elect a Muslim majority city council. They viewed the power shift and diversity as symbolic and meaningful rebuke to the Islamophobic rhetoric that was a central theme of then Republican president candidate Donald Trump's campaign. This week, many of those same residents watched in dismay as the now fully Muslim and socially conservative city, a council uh, passed legislation banning pride flags 
from being flown on city property and that had, like so many others being around, flown around the country, been intended to celebrate LGBTQ community. Muslim residents packing the city hall erupted in cheers after the council's unanimous vote. And on Hammertrack's social media pages, the taunting has been relentless. Fagless city read one post. Uh, it emphasised with emojis the uh, of a bicep flexing. While Hammertrack is still viewed as a bastion of multiculturalism, the difficulties of local governance and living amongst neighbours with different cultural values are quickly set out a problem of following the 2015 election. Some leaders and residents are now bitter political enemies engaged in a series of often vicious battles over the city's direction and the pride flag controversy represents a crescendo in that tension. There's a sense of betrayal, said former Hammertruck Mayor Karen Magajewski, who is a Polish-American. We supported you when you were threatened and now our rights are being threatened and you're doing and you're the ones doing the threatening. After several years of diversity on council, some see irony in an all-male Muslim elected government that does not reflect the city's makeup. The resolution, which also prohibits the display of flags with other ethnic, racist and political views, comes at a time when the LGBTQ plus rights are under assault worldwide and other US cities have passed similar bans with the vast majority driven by often white, politically conservative Americans. Now, now David, this this particular article I, I found incredibly um, insightful because what we've got here is uh, is two groups. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the left wing has been rejoicing when uh, uh, the Muslim uh, representatives gain a, a significant majority Majority on uh, on on the council. Now they control the entire council. Uh, council, and uh, the council actually takes an action uh, to ban LGBTQ and all other flags that host a political type message. Now, uh, to me, I, I have to admit, in, in just reading this, I just sort of sat there uh, shaking uh, uh, shaking my head uh, at this whole whole situation. I mean, it's a, I mean, this is a, in many ways, it is a mess. But uh, David, you know, what's your response to this? Yeah, look, it, it is a very interesting article, Gary, and, and highlights, uh, I think for me, as you were reading that, there were some sentences that really stood out to me and, and the the lady who was the former mayor who was a polish american she she expressed a sense of betrayal yeah yeah saying that you know we supported you when you were threatened mm. um and now you're actually running the show you're in charge and now we're under threat and you're the ones doing the threatening so it it well, actually, they're not that they're not actually under threat. What's under threat is being able to uh, provide uh, put politically based flags up. Yes, but she's she's sort of claiming yes, an element yes, yes, of that, yes. and so really, you've got two completely diverse worlds of thinking. Yep, living in the same community. Yep, and 
when one group has ascendancy, yeah. there is the removal of rights or the potential removal of rights or that expression impact the other, the other that group. impact the other group. And we see this even in our culture on a whole variety of things, don't we? Mm-hmm. One group comes into power and they swing one way and um, and the next group comes into power and they swing completely the other way. And so it, it really highlights the challenges of um, diverse worldviews, social norms, morals, ethics, all of those things and communities living together and trying to live harmoniously or alternatively trying to stamp out or subdue the other person's beliefs or mm. ethics. Uh, Gary, a few verses uh, jump to mind. The Book of Judges um, is one of my favourite books, as particularly as a young man growing up. You know, It's like, a powerful book, isn't it? It is. I mean, young guys, you like reading about war stories and these incredible feats of bravery, but it's a really sad book because the book of Judges deals with cycles. It deals with, you know, God has his people mm. uh, in the promised land. They turn away from God. Mm-hmm. They worship false gods. Mm-hmm. They God then allows them as a consequence of that to be dominated by, by pagan and other kingdoms and kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come in, they're dominated, they're subjugated. God's people are put down. And then ultimately when they hit rock bottom, they cry out to the Lord. And what does God do? He always hears when we cry out from the heart. What he does then is raises up a deliverer, mm-hmm. a judge, uh, like Samson was mm-hmm. one of them. A- and they come along and for a number of years they, they get rid of the occupiers, the people that are oppressing God's people. Then that cycle starts again. Mm. Falling, falling away from God, um, not repenting, God allows them to be subjugated by opposing people. They hit rock bottom, they cry out to God, they repent, God sends a deliverer. And it's just this complete cycle. And the book of Judges finishes with probably a verse which could sum up the whole book. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're talking a book of 21 chapters. Mm -hmm. And this verse is verse 25 of chapter 21. It says, in those days, this is at the end of the book, the last verse. The very book. last verse of the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Yeah. And so we see this in society today. Yeah. You know, it's we're individualistic, mm. but then uh, certain groups in, in all sorts of cultures want to dominate the, uh, the, the political forums, the various agendas, and they want their way to take priority over everyone else's way. Mm. And so this is this seems to be what you've outlined in this indeed, uh, news, news report. Indeed. And that, that's exactly the case, you know. And I think that verse that you, you pick up there, I think it is incredibly uh, powerful. It's important. Every man, as a result of there being no general authority in Israel, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And then you got this backwards and forward continuing. You know, to me, as I, as I look at it, I turn around and say, hey, you know, within the word of God, we've actually been given an authority uh, that is is designed to actually show humanity how it is best to live life. 100%. And, 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 you know, to me, as I, you know, as I read the scriptures, I turn around and I say, hey, you know, there is, there are some foundations here that 
if they were generally accepted, would actually be able to see our society grow and develop. Uh, you know, there are so so often I hear, you know, other scriptures are a faulty here or there. I, I, I'd suggest one of the biggest challenges is that uh, even uh, people who criticize the Bible don't actually read the Bible. And that's often the case. And often the people that criticize it or downplay it may even be so-called Christians. And we're going to talk more about that sort of so-called Christian type concept. Gary, um, uh, Psalms. I really love the, uh, as we go through the Psalms, we read the authors of the Psalms really sharing openly with God how things are. Either they're, they're pleas for deliverance, they're calling out to God their own sinfulness. Mm. But in Psalm 19, yeah. Verses 7 to 11, we get this beautiful picture of, um, and this is a psalm of David, yeah. and it says here in verse 7 to 11 of Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, mm. by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. That's a powerful passage of Scripture. You know, to me, the thing that I love about this is that David is uh, virtually writing a love song, but he's writing a love song to the law of God. Do you know, to me, I really believe that David knew something about the law of God that today we tend to gloss over and say, hey, you know, it, it doesn't apply to us. And yet David is writing this, uh, this love poetry addressed not to some uh, lady love, uh, but rather to, uh, to the law of God. He's saying, you know, it's more to be desired than gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. You know, these are, these are, are incredible expressions by the king of Israel. Why does he say that? You know, David, to me, the reason he actually is saying that is because what he's attempting to do is to show that within the law of God, there is actually a way, there is a direction. You see, the very moment you turn around and you just simply say, well, you know, humanity, you can make decisions yourself. And of course, that's what a democracy is. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we can actually make decisions ourselves. Uh, What you actually get is the the two political parties. And, uh, you know, I mean, while one's in power, this is the way we go. When the other one comes in, this is the way we go. Toss, toss the ideas out. Toss the ideas the in. You know, and, and, you know, I, I look at this and I just turn around and say, you know, how much like ancient Israel are we today? Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. There is no common, unified, uh, moral basis for operating society. And yet within the word of God, what I find is a, is a, a form of, um, a form of, I, I could say law, but an understanding, a moral basis uh, that can actually give incredibly substance to the world in which we're living. And that's what the psalmist says in these verses, and I really like how you've articulated Gary. You know, he says that um, he uses the word precious, gold. He's basically saying, you know, God's law is precious. It's um, finer than gold. And then he talks about it's sweeter than honeycomb. And so he's really saying that God's law is precious, it's finer mm, than gold, mm. and it's also pleasant as yeah. honey. Yeah. Now, often we don't look at God's law in those ways, or we think it's defunct or out of date, and, and we know how to do life better. 
Indeed, that's exactly the case. In fact, if you go to, you know, I mean, David does this repetitiously in the Psalms. You know, I mean, this, it just boggles the mind, you know. I mean, Psalm 119, it just goes on, uh, um, you know, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. At your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O God. Teach me your statute. With my lips I have declared all judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. You know, to me as I read this, you know, here's David again rejoicing, and it's repetitious in this uh, in this book of Psalms. How different this is to that phrase. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. When you have every man doing that which is right in his own eyes, all you get is political conflict. And this happens in churches as well as political parties. And in in a sense, the Tower of Babel. Yeah. Uh, with the, the, the various languages that came out, that was that same concept. Mm. Mm. And in a world of sin that uh, every human being is infiltrated Without um, a divine moral code that people don't, impossible to serve without being infilled by the Holy Spirit and God putting his law in our hearts. But in seeing that it is precious Mm. and that it is pleasant. Mm-hmm. And by actually seeing that God is giving us guidelines and and guide rails on how yeah, to live for the betterment yeah. of all humanity. Yeah. yeah, David, thank you so much. Really appreciate that uh, that input, folks. Let's come to some uh, music. This is uh, uh, the day approaches. Love uh, this uh, this particular song. Uh, please uh, please enjoy uh, the uh, the thoughts that are expressed.
And that's the day approaches. Uh, what uh, what a magnificent thought that is. Do you know, folks, well, I think we're living in an era right now where that day is coming closer and closer and it's happening at a, at a faster pace. Now, look, guys, we do have a giveaway, a giveaway book for you today. This is a really beautiful uh, little uh, little book. You know, if you're actually living in, a, in an environment where you recognise there is hypocrisy somewhere, uh, maybe it might be, you know, in a, in a family member maybe it might be at uh, at church how can i actually address this and you know this book is actually entitled kindness living uh, you know one of the most beautiful things that i can i can certainly do uh, is to be able to treat others with kindness and, and not not re- re- respond in exactly the same way and uh, this is one of the best church growth tools today uh, yet it's compact enough uh, to fit in your pocket and encourages readers to have a kindness plan to touch the lives of others by patterning their lives after Christ's life. His life perfectly illustrated true courtesy, kindness and gentleness for it's in this endeavour that we become branches of the true vine. Do you know, I, I, I love this, this particular book. It has the potential to change lives. Do you know, it's so easy when I see hypocrisy in the church to respond uh, with some type of vehement uh, response. Uh, this, this book is suggesting no. It's not the way to, to respond. There is a better way uh, to respond because uh, within recognizing that, Christi- that there are issues within Christianity, we don't want to respond in an unchristlike manner. Now, this is a real little beauty. It's a devotional book. Uh, you'll love being able to pick this up and to share it, uh, maybe with a member of your family, uh, maybe for your family devotional time. It's called Kindness Living. Now, look, if you like this book, all you need to do is to text us. Now, our drive time text number is 04888 80811. 04888 80811. And the code today is SA124. And that's just five digits in a row. SA124. And if you send that code to our drive time text number, 04888, 80811 that will trigger our robot uh, we call him faithful and uh, he'll come back to you he'll just ask you a few questions uh, so that uh, we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, way possible uh, this 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 is a really uh, wonderful little invention love our robot uh, faithful he does such a marvelous job but when you're sending your your code in please make sure that your code is SA124 just five digits in a row, no gap between the SA and the one two four, because our robot's one of those cheap robots. We can't we can't afford one of the expensive ones, and he doesn't know what we're talking about if we put a gap between the SA and the one two four. So, uh, folks, uh, please uh, drive time. Now, text number oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and the code you need to put in is SA one two four. You'll love uh, this little book entitled uh, Kindness Living. Uh, now, folks, if you'd like to send any comments, any thoughts about the subject that we're talking about this week you can also uh, use that uh, that same number and uh, we're more than happy to to acknowledge you acknowledge your question uh, and to uh, and to respond uh, to that uh, now you are listening to faith fm drive time big q a with uh, pastor gary and uh, guiding us through our regular our discussion today is our regular wednesday co-host 
Pastor David Butcher. And now David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. Now, this week, uh, we're following the theme, A Holy Masquerade. Are the faithful hypocrites? And today, we're chatting on the question, how do I respond to hypocrisy? Now, David, yesterday uh, we actually uh, looked at the subject of uh, hypocrisy and we established that, you know, certainly when people claim that there are hypocrites in the church, it's probably something that, you know, the Christian church would actually find a great deal of difficulty uh, in actually responding to that uh, to that reality, because the fact is, is that uh, you know, in the newspapers, uh, we've seen examples of even church leaders who have been involved in inappropriate uh, actions. Now, David, given that there are people who have functioned in a hypocritic manner uh, in the church, how do we respond to that? Yeah, and this this is a really important topic, Gary, and and. Quite a difficult one at face value for a Christian to respond to because, yeah, I mean, on the media, when I flick it on um, or, or listen, turn on the radio, it's not unusual, and particularly at the moment, certain churches feature in the media. Yeah. And yeah. I know yesterday you've talked about, you know, sexual sin and abuse and those sorts of things. Um, these are the things people often like to hear about or raise if they're anti-Christian. Yeah. And um, so one of the biggest arguments, I think, and the problems or objections to Christianity is if Christianity is true, why are there hypocrites in the church? And it's a big one. It's actually turned a lot of people against uh, attending churches. It has. And, and I guess we could simplify that by saying if Christianity is really supposed to change people, then why do some who profess to believe in Jesus set such bad examples? Yeah. yeah. And this is always the, the challenge, isn't it? It is always the challenge. And um, I guess a really good text I would like us to look at is Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 7. And in fact, um, from my research that I did, the word hypocrite um, uh, features more times in the Gospel of Matthew than any other of the New Testament books. Now, clearly you can be a, a the Bible can be referring to hypocrisy without using the word. But in Matthew, it features heavily. Mm. Mm. Christ, Christ, this was one of the Christ's themes almost. I mean, you see him calling people out, and significantly the people that he's calling out as hypocrites are not the, the common church-attending people, but rather they're the leaders of the synagogue. Almost always, if not always, when Jesus is... Referring to hypocrites, he's talking about professed religious leaders. And, and I guess the, the word hypocrisy is claiming to be someone or something and often used in the terms of religious um, language, but failing to be that underneath. The wolf in yeah, sheep's clothing, yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And so, Gary, Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5, Jesus says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or have you, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank and, and, and failed, sorry. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, uh, and looking at the plank in the other? Hypocrite, for first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Mm. So instead of, um, what Jesus is saying, you know, it's easy for us to judge. Mm. Look at the other person and say, boy, they've got massive issues. You need mm. to fix yourself mm. up. Mm. But really, that's just a speck. Mm. That's, 
it's minuscule, a minuscule problem that you're spotting in someone else's life, yeah. but your own judgment and con- condemnatory um, character is a bigger issue. And, and this is something that I think that, you know, Christ is actually warning us. When we're dealing with this issue of hypocrisy, be very, very careful that we don't point the finger at someone else when in actual fact uh, we ourselves are guilty of similar things. I, I well remember I was uh, uh, I was the pastor of a, a fairly small church, a large district, but a number of small churches in a country area very early in my ministry. And uh, there were two gentlemen in one of the uh, one of the small country towns that were both believers, both attended uh, my church week by week, and yet neither of them would talk uh, to each other. Now, why didn't they talk to each other? Well, that was because one of them believed that the other one had ripped them off in purchasing a block of land. Now, it's true that one of them had sold the other one a block of land. When the second person uh, took possession of the land, he realized he'd actually, well, he felt he had been uh, overcharged significantly and he felt that the other uh, uh, brother should give him back what he had overcharged him. The other brother said, no, this is a, an exceptional piece of land right in the middle of town. Uh, other blocks are cheaper, but this is a better block. Now, to me, I, I, I look at this, I'm the church pastor. And I was being asked to actually adjudicate, adjudicate on this uh, on this issue. Now the reality is, uh, I mean, I'm standing back watching, and I, I'm sort of saying, "Hey, uh, both these brethren have made big mistakes, but their biggest mistake is actually their attitude to each other." I think you're right, and um, I mean, never buy a car off family, right? But but I, th- I think you're right, Gary, and I, and I really think. In Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus talks about, you know, you're, you're pointing at an issue in someone else's life and it's a speck when you can't see the log in your own, the plank in your own life and your own eye, he's really, really challenging us is to be very careful how we judge others. Yeah. Instead, do some serious self-examination. Yeah, yeah. Of and, your own life. And, and you know, this is so important because even in families, I mean, I, I'm so conscious of the number of families where uh, um, year after year there's been some historical disagreement. And this is, happens even in Christian families. There's been an historical disagreement. They get together for Christmas, but at Christmas time, it's actually a uh, virtually a uh, a war over Christmas, it's something I've got to do because it's my duty to do. Uh, I can hardly wait to to get moving. Uh, you know, to me, as I look at that, I turn around and say the word of God is very clear. You know, on, on this, you know, Paul talks about uh, in the book of Corinthians: Is it not better for you uh, to lose a court uh, a court a court injunction? Than to go through some of these issues mm. that you've behaved, that that you've brought on yourself, you know. And um, to to me, Christianity is totally radical in how it responds to other people, particularly when you're dealing with this issue of hypocrisy. Oh, absolutely, Gary. I just want to give a couple of examples of uh, how Jesus spoke to. Hypocrites or people that he th- were being hypocrites. Matthew twenty three twenty three. This is to the religious leaders. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Harsh words, Gary. You know, there's yeah. this pretense, if you like, and perhaps one more. And uh, this is uh, Matthew. 
23 verses 25 and 27 where Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. He's really saying outwardly, Mm. You're doing everything that portrays a righteous, upwardly, upward life. Yeah. Inwardly, though, you're just filthy. You're rotten to the core. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last verse that I'll share, verse 27 of Matthew 23. Why do you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. How do you like to be called a whitewashed tomb? Which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Mm. These are some of the harshest words mm. that we find in Scripture that, that Jesus ever gives. It's about hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. That, Pretense. That, that's exactly, this is the thing that Christ condemns more than anything else. Uh, you know, as I, uh, as I, I'll look, uh, can, can I possibly just bring you to, because, uh, very soon we're going to have to go to, uh, to a break very soon, but I want to just come to, uh, if I can, uh, first uh, Timothy chapter, chapter five, because, um, Timothy actually says something and I want to pick it up, particularly after our, after our break. But uh, this is what, uh, Paul, uh, in talking to, to Timothy, it's first Timothy. This is one of the last books of the Bible that he ever, ever writes. Uh, it's first Timothy. Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19 and onwards, do not receive an accusation. Now, if you're going to make an accusation, it means that the, uh, that the person must have been doing something that was inappropriate. So Paul says this, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in another person's sins. Keep yourselves Pure. Now, to me, there's some principles in this particular passage of Scripture that I believe are so key for us in the church environment uh, today, uh, because I am uh, increasingly, uh, I am conscious that uh, are there uh, are there hypocritical people within the church? Yes, there are. Are there leaders? that have been hypocritical. Uh, yes, there have been. In fact, we read about them in the media uh, daily about things which Christian leaders have done. And yet the biggest response in the New Testament appears to be when, uh, when the apostle sees the church not responding to hypocrisy. You see, it's almost as though in the New Testament what you get is that hypocrisy is almost taken for granted. You get Ananias and you get Sapphira. And right at the beginning of the church. They're actually struck down because they were playing the hypocrite. Uh, you get uh, uh, you get on one occasion, you get uh, a Paul uh, calling uh, Peter, and we'll come to this in a minute, mm. calling him publicly a hypocrite. So this hypocr- hypocrisy has and does occur within the church. And will continue. And will continue. And it, but to me, the, the, the issue that continually and repetitiously comes up uh, in the New Testament is that when there is hypocrisy and examples of hypocrisy in the church, the church chooses to say nothing about it. It's at that point that 
I believe scripture uh, condemns the church in the f- to the fullest extent. And that's really when Christianity doesn't have an adequate answer, when they don't confront hypocrisy in the church. Okay, and that is what I'd like us to dig into after our after our break, if we if we possibly can. And I, I'd like to work through some of the points here that maybe uh, Paul brings up in talking to uh, uh, to Timothy. And so, look, guys, let's come to some uh, some music. This is uh, Faith First. Uh, this is a, a beautiful song. Uh, Where there is faith, uh, please please enjoy.
Just where there is faith. Where there's faith, there is indeed hope. What a, what a beautiful rendition that is. Now, folks, look, please, uh, don't forget our giveaway book today. And we want to say a big shout out to uh, Margie and also to Darren. Uh, thank you so much for your words of affirmation. They are really greatly, uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, maybe you don't need this uh, book, Kindness Living, uh, because uh, you are being overly, overly generous. Thank you so much for those kind words. Uh, look, folks, uh, don't, uh, don't forget that book. It is uh, available to you today, Kindness Living. This is by Jeff Weir. Um, now, this uh, this book, if you would like it, uh, please text us. Now, our studio text number is 04888 808811. 04888808811. And in the text, all we need you to do is to put the uh, the code SA124, just five digits in a row, SA124. And that'll go straight through to our robot. And our robot, our bot, he'll come back to you. He'll uh, ask you just a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible. It's a real ripper of a book. This is a devotional book. It's a simple book to read. It's not complex, but it puts in place a process whereby uh, I believe we can overcome so much of the anger that is associated with the whole subject of hypocrisy. That number again is 04888880811 and the code is SA124. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary and uh, guiding us through our discussion today is our regular co-host and that's uh, Pastor David Butcher and David's the uh, the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Australia and this week we're following the theme, A Holy Masquerade, Are the Faithful Hypocrites? Today... We're chatting on the question, how do I respond to hypocrisy? Now, David, I really appreciate what you've shared uh, so far. We've got about 10 minutes until we come to the uh, very top of the top of the hour. We just read uh, from First uh, Timothy chapter chapter five, where Paul actually gives uh, some uh, some guidelines for uh, sharing with uh, those who sharing with the church for how to deal with this whole subject of hypocrisy. Now, do you just want to take us through that? Because I, I'm just really conscious that, you know, the the issue I would suggest is not so much the fact that you may have uh, believers in the church that may be involved in hypocrisy, and not even that uh, you've got uh, church leaders in the church who are involved in hypocritical actions, uh, but rather the fact that the church then chooses to say nothing about those actions, I think that is actually to the largest up, issue to, to cover, cover it up. up. Yeah. yeah, and and not act whatsoever. So, so Gary, you took us to First Timothy chapter five. Paul writing a letter to a young minister, and you began there by saying in verse nineteen of First Timothy five, "Do not receive an accusation against an elder, except from two or three witnesses." And so this, um, you know. You have gossiping in churches, and yeah. Paul even addresses this in some of his epistles. Yeah, uh, and he's really saying if something comes up, you want to see if there's anything in it. Yeah, look to see if there's two or three other people that will verify what has occurred. In other words, your opinion may not be correct. 
that that's it, look, it's so easy to misunderstand for our own biases and personal opinions or or, or feelings and to look, come I, in the way. Look, I'm so conscious of how easily this happens, particularly in the whole Facebook type environment. You know, social media. You know, somebody actually says something, and somebody else chooses to take offence. When in actual fact, the first person may not have actually uh, meant uh, exactly what uh, is being interpreted there. And, you know, I, I'm just so conscious that, hey, you know, let's get our facts, you know, let, let's make it make it accurate. And what you say is so true. Social media or text messages, you don't read, you can't read the emotions or the intent or any of those sorts of things. So the first thing is two or three witnesses. Now, obviously, if it's a sexual abuse allegation, um, you should always... Um, Listen and follow up and report anything that's of a sexual nature. In other words, our uh, the authorities have actually put a pli- a process in place for dealing with that type of accusation. That's true. Yeah. So first point he says is you know have two or three witnesses to an allegation that can verify it. Uh, then he says those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also fear. And this is really challenging, isn't it? I mean, we're going to look at a story very shortly where where this actually occurs. Mm. So, in other words, there are some sins that need to be dealt with publicly so that others won't fall into the same thing. It's a lesson. And the general rule of thumb on that, i found, is that public sin needs to be publicly dealt with, private sin is dealt with privately. That's very true. And this really, this pattern of what we've just said is following what Jesus, the counsel Jesus gave in Matthew 18 with dealing with an erring brother. First of all, go um, by yourself. If it's not resolved, take someone else with you. If the person still won't listen, then bring it before the church. Mm, mm. So Paul is really just reflecting, in essence, what Jesus has he, said. He's picking up Jesus' teaching. And, and what you said before about Ananias and Sapphira is so true. Now, that... Um, in a sense, that was a private sin that lied to God, the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. But it was exposed publicly. There were other people there, but news of that spread throughout the church. And it says in Acts chapter 5, and I don't have it in front of me, but basically there was this fear that went through uh, the early Christian church. Um, it was to be a lesson that they wouldn't fall into the same, same yeah, pit. Yeah. So I do like what you've said, public sin, publicly dealt with, private sin, maybe privately dealt with perhaps. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, there's a few other things he gives there, uh, instruction on, um, don't show partiality and prejudice and all of those sorts of things. Don't lay hands on someone hastily. In other words, um, you know, make sure there is wisdom. Doesn't mean to say they may not be young. But this is saying to me, Go and do your homework, for goodness sake. Exactly. You know, there there is so much that, you know, I I hear accusations are being made. I mean, I've had a number of uh, people uh, come to me. They'll make accusations against somebody else. And, uh, you know, they're not even in church procedure. You know, they're not doing the things in the correct correct manner. And, you know, they're ready to, you know, they want to take it to the church board. And uh, to me, my first question to them is, hey, have you spoken to them? And uh, generally their answer to me will be no. Well, I actually encourage them to do it. And the way I encourage them to do it is I actually go and say, well, I'm going to tell the other person what you've said. And I actually go and tell 
the other person what's been said and I've said now look what I've done is I've told them to come and talk to you mm-hmm. and I then tell the first person I, I say to them hey look you know uh, this is this is what I've told the other person I've, I've I've sent them to you now I'm expecting you to your grown up adults sit down together and talk and run uh, through it I have done that you know I, and I have found every time that occurs so often the whole issue suddenly becomes you know suddenly is reduced in in size uh, so that uh, you know uh, the issue is no longer Again, it's bringing people together and confronting sin uh, and and even perceptions at times may not yeah. necessarily be sin. Another interesting point here in 1 uh, Timothy 5, he says here, um, don't share in other people's sins and keep yourself pure. Mm. And so this is really saying, don't you get caught up in it yourself yeah. and keep yourself pure. Yeah. Guard your own heart. Yeah. And, and Gary, I'm wondering whether we can turn briefly to the book of Galatians. Yeah, this, this is an important one. This is, this is a challenging one, this one. I, uh, I've got to admit, I'm not a person who would, uh, work easily with Paul. In fact, I think many people today, as was true in the New Testament church, would have struggled to, to work with Paul. But what does Paul say on this occasion? Look, this is a powerful book. Um, and in the book of Galatians, he basically says, if, if anyone preaches another gospel, um, you know, they're a curse, they should go and emasculate themselves. Paul is very strong in his language, isn't he? Yeah. But in, in Galatians 2, we've got to remember Paul is the apostle to, to the, the Gentiles, Gentiles and the non, the non-Jewish Christians. And he fought to defend that. We notice he went up to the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. But what we find in Acts chapter 2 is that, uh, Peter comes down to, um, to Antioch. Mm. And um, basically Peter, and we'll pick it up in verse 11 of chapter 2. It says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, and this is Paul speaking, I withstood him to his face. How would you like the Apostle Paul to withstand you to your face? I mean, this is, a, this, if you like, in today's language, he confronted him. And, and he was in his personal space. He was in his personal space. Um, and it says... Um, because he was, he confronted Paul, withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Mm. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. All the Jews. Yep. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of all the gospel, I said to Peter before them all. So just like mm. we saw in First Timothy five, um, Peter deal. He, Peter almost waits till everyone's everyone's there. Yeah. If you, being a Jew, he says, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? And he goes on and on. And so he, he really, um, in essence, I'm using the word might not be the right word. He castigates. Yeah. Uh, he, he really dresses Peter down. This is the Apostle Paul dressing down the Apostle Peter. Uh, Peter, who is the self-professed, you know, he wants to be the leader, if you like. This, this is an amazing situation, you know, and Paul actually accuses Peter of playing the hypocrite. And all over, Peter is happy to come and sit and mix with the, the Greek Christians, if you like, the Gentile Christians, the ones that weren't Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, happy to eat with them. 
And this was a revelation because if we went back to Acts chapter 10, Peter's mm-hmm. in this, he's at Simon the Tanner's house, he's on the roof asleep, and God gives him a vision. And the vision is of these unclean animals yeah. coming down in a sheet. And he says to, God says to Peter, arise and eat. And Peter says, no, I've never eaten anything unclean. Three times. Yeah, yeah. Later on in the chapter, he finally realizes that um, when he's sent to, to, to meet Cornelius, that he shouldn't call any person unclean. Mm-hmm. In other words... Peter came to realize and recognize, and we find this also in Acts 15, that the gospel was for everyone. So basically, Peter's mixing in Galatians 2 with with these Gentile Christians, but then when Jewish Christians come down that are really hardline pushing circumcision, Peter withdraws mm. and he he basically turns against what he's held. Yeah, He fades. Yeah. That's exactly how it is. And, uh, you know, I look at this and I just simply say, wow. Uh, you know, is, does hypocrisy happen in the church? Yes, it does. Does it happen amongst believers? Yes, it does. Does it happen amongst leadership? Yes, it does. What does the, what does the New Testament criticize most? It criticizes churches who are unprepared to address hypocrisy. And, through it all, I, I just sort of look, you know, how then do we relate to each other? And we do need to finish at this point. But, you know, I, I love um, 1 Corinthians 13 because 1 Corinthians 13 does talk about love. But to me, this is where that book that uh, that we're offering this week is so significant because uh, in this uh, this particular chapter, it's called the late great love chapter, Paul, what Paul does is defines love. And what he says is this, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It hears, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And then he goes on and he talks about the importance of, of love. Uh, do you know, within the, within the Christian church generally, uh, one of our greatest needs today uh, is actually to have uh, that type of relationship uh, with others in the church. You know, where there are uh, disagreements, what Scripture tells us to do is to go and talk to that individual. I, I, I plead with people. I say, look, you know, please, social media is not the place to resolve conflict. Stop sending text messages and go and talk to the people. But, Pastor, that's incredibly hard. Yes, it is hard, but it's the way you've got to do it. And to me, you know, I, I'm so conscious that uh, the Word of God, I believe, is very clear on this matter. Many issues would be resolved if we would simply talk uh, to uh, to those that we are opposing. Uh, let's pray together. Father heaven thank you so much for being our lord now god thank you for giving us the gift of the holy spirit i pray that you'd be with us lord if there's anyone who's struggling on this matter today i pray that you would impress them with the right way to go lord uh, these things we just ask and pray in jesus name amen well folks it does look like our time's up for today thank you so much for joining pastor gary and pastor david butcher on drive time big q and a Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan lead our program by asking, how do I help my children deal with hypocrisy? Really look forward to being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid.